Salam and hello. Welcome to Uproot. My name is Lily Bekala Piper, and I am so happy that you are here today. We are recording today's episode live at the International School of Kenya again. This is actually my second time recording an episode here, and I'm really grateful for ISK's support and hospitality, especially Pamela Pappas and Lynn Wells in the Advancement Office. Today's topic might be new to some of you who are listening, but it's a topic that's very near and dear to the hearts of probably every family at ISK. Today we're going to talk about third culture kids. Third culture kids, or TCKs for short, by definition are kids who are growing up outside the home countries of either of their parents during their developmental years. So in my case, for instance, I'm Ethiopian American, my husband is American, but our kids are being raised in Kenya. They would certainly be considered third culture kids. TCKs have some unique characteristics. Research tells us that they're resilient, strong cross-cultural communicators, they're flexible and curious learners, and they make really wonderful leaders. Barack Obama is probably our most famous TCK, in fact. But there's certainly some burdens that also come with being a third culture kid. TCKs and their families move often, or they're in schools where the population of students are constantly changing. They have to make new friends every year, and around this time, around every year, March or April, a lot of their friends start moving away or make the plans to move soon. On top of that, when they travel, quote unquote, home to their passport country, they can experience reverse culture shock, even though they're technically home. So today, I'm really delighted that six different students have decided to share their stories with us about what it's like to be a third culture kid. Between them, they've lived in over 20 countries and have had many experiences. One of them just arrived in Kenya this year at ISK, while others are about to leave again. We're also fortunate to have an adult third culture kid with us today. Alicia Messing is a teacher at ISK and grew up as a TCK herself. And we have Kika Grutenhaus, who's a psychologist who works here in Nairobi, and will offer us some helpful insights and perspectives on how we can support our students and our kids. Kika is a third culture kid herself, so in addition to her professional credentials, she can certainly relate to many of the experiences that our kids are having. So today's show will run in two parts. We'll start with our group of middle, middle school students and Alicia, and then midway through, we'll switch to our high school panel and Kika. So at this time, I would like to welcome to the show Alicia, Adrian, Sahara, and Roman. Can we welcome them? All right, so I'm going to start with you, Alicia, at the end. I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, tell us your name. For the kids, I was going to say the age, but you can opt out of that if you like. Um, tell us your name, your passport country, the countries you've lived in, and how many years you have been in Kenya. My name's Alicia Messing. My passport country is America. My parents are both first-generation American. Grandparents were all born and raised in Russia. Um, I was born in New York City, and when I was one year and one month old, my parents moved to Liberia in West Africa. My sister was five weeks old and my brother was born there. Um, after that, we moved to Tehran and Iran. We lived in Birmingham, England for a year. We moved to Port of Spain, Trinidad. My, I went off to boarding school. My parents went back to Liberia for a second tour and then to Hong Kong. I went to another boarding school and then off to college. And my dad continued to live overseas until his retirement about 15 years ago. And how many years have you been in Kenya? 
Oh, this is my fifth year in Kenya. Okay, welcome. Sahara. Okie dokie. Um, <laughs> I'm Sahara. My passport country is as well the United States of America. Um, I've lived here in Kenya for two years. Yeah, this is my second year. Okay. Did you say all your countries? Oh, right. Sorry. Um, so I started in the U.S., and then I moved to Mali. And then after Mali, I moved to Nigeria. And then after Nigeria, I moved to Egypt. And then we were evacuated to Egypt, and we moved back to the U.S., to New York City. And from New York, we moved here. Okay. Thanks, Sahara. Adrian. Um, hi, my name is Adrian. Um, I'm 13 years old. I've lived in Kenya for 10 years, and I've only lived in two countries. So first, I, w I grew up in Kenya for five years, then I moved to Vietnam for three years, and then I came back. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so my name is Roman. I'm 11 years old. Um, I was born in the U.S. Uh, I lived there for two years, then I moved to Mozambique. Um, and then I moved here to Kenya. Uh, I've been in Kenya for five years now. Um. Great, thank you, Rowan. Um, so as you can hear from all of their experiences, they have lived in a lot of places, and some of you have shifted in and out of Kenya more than once. So let me open up a question to all of you to say, you know, the definition of a third culture kid uh, oftentimes is that you grow up between cultures. Do you agree with that definition? Does that sound familiar to you, being between cultures? Um, I personally agree with that definition. Um, growing up in, well, my mom's um, Chinese and my dad's Korean, but growing up here in Kenya, I kind of get some Chinese and Korean influences. Like, for example, we might celebrate Chinese New Year, or we might, we have some traditions where you have to eat noodles when it's your birthday. <laughs> but it's I like, like that tradition. <laughs> it's not as um, heavily influenced as I might be if I was in China. So yeah, I do agree with that definition. Yeah. So you, even if maybe if you were in the United States, you might have been between cultures a bit because your parents have different experiences growing up. Adrian, just before we move on to somebody else, have you adopted any Kenyan traditions, having been here so long, um, into some of your family traditions? Well, I don't really think so. I have been in Kenya for a very long time, but I haven't really taken it upon myself to really learn all of the Kenyan traditions. Like in IST, we still celebrate all the Kenyan holidays, and I'm even wearing like a Nugali shirt. <laughs> but no, I don't think we really have any Kenyan traditions yeah. woven into okay. it. I'm going to come back to you. You've already made my curiosity peak. Anybody else? What do you think? Are you growing up between cultures, or do you agree with that definition? Sarah, sure. Um, I would definitely agree with Adrian. Um, my parents are as well from two different places. My mom's from Philadelphia and my dad's from the Virgin Islands. So I get a lot of like the outdoor information, you know, about like the plants and stuff from my dad and then from my mom about the city life and the street smart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you've got and, country mass and city mass all yes. happening in the same house. <laughs> um, and then living here in Kenya, actually, my parents are very fond on getting to know different cultures. So I've learned a lot about the different tribes. I've learned about um, just the history of Nairobi and stuff mm, like that. Yeah. And so I would definitely agree that the definition of a third culture kid is being in between cultures. Yeah, okay. So Roman, you have a, a kind of a unique story from other people on the panel because your dad is Kenyan. We're living in Kenya. Your mom is American you're moving back to America, even though you haven't been there in a while, soon. 
So I just want to know, has Kenya felt like home to you? When you think about being a third culture kid, do you feel like, no, I'm not, because I live in Kenya. What, what, what's this been like? Well, um, I sort of, I feel more American most of the time, even though I do live here in Kenya and my dad is Kenyan. I, I just, because every summer we always go back to the U.S. and most of the things we do at my house are American. Like we celebrate Thanksgiving and all American holidays and we don't really celebrate Kenyan holidays or traditions. And I wish we did because um, it would be nice to take back to the U.S., but we don't all that much. So I feel more American because the things we do at my house are yeah. American. Yeah. And you guys are pointing to something really important is that even though you might have different cultures that you come from, then each family creates their own unique culture within their house. And then you go to school, and oftentimes my kids tell me that school has its own culture. So Alicia, what do you see when you're a teacher here, and you certainly have your own personal experiences, but as a teacher, would you agree that the students that you teach are in between cultures, or do you see something different? You know, how, how things go, are fleeting, you know, the students are here for two years, they make friends, the friends leave, or they leave. Um, it's hard to be the one who stays behind, and it's also hard to be the one that leaves. And, I, and that's a common thread between all the students because I've only been here five years. My first year class are freshmen. And when I look at the freshman list, there's like three names that are still here five years later. It's really hard. Adrian, I'm gonna come back to you about that because you've been in Kenya for 10, you started in Kenya um, five years, moved to Vietnam, have come back now to Kenya and you've been here 10 years, is that right? Or Yeah. So what is it like, even though you're not Kenyan, in some ways this has become home, what is it like to be the kid that, over these 10 years, is left behind in some of these transitions? Well, it, it's very hard. Um, two of my core friends from fifth grade, well, one of them has left um, this school year and another one's going to be leaving next year. And I feel that since I've been here for so long, it's kind of when everybody else leaves and you always connect them with the place that you are at, like for example, I might connect my, uh, my friends that, um, to ISK. When they leave, you're still in ISK, but it feels a little bit different. And that's why sometimes it's really hard when friends leave because it just doesn't really feel the same. The school doesn't feel the same. Yes. Yeah. So in some ways that culture keeps changing, that culture keeps kind of being reinvented in some ways, it sounds like anyways. Is that mm -hmm. a fair way, thing to yes. say, you think? Yeah. Sahara, um, you have kind of a different story. You've been here two years. You're getting ready to go back to the U.S. Does it feel like you're going home? It does, yeah. Um, but at the same time, it really kind of doesn't because yeah. I'm moving to a new state and new city, and I don't know anyone there. Um, I know people here, so it, I guess it does feel like I'm going home, as in to my home country, but... yeah. I'm not really going to be at home, Yeah, if that makes sense. I'm glad you said home country because that's one of the terms that I think is not familiar to people who maybe don't, haven't had this experience, is this kids have a home country where they were maybe born. Um, then there's a passport country, and, and some of our panelists later on will talk about the different passports they hold. So then there's your passport country, and then there's maybe your resident country where you're actually in in the moment. So. Lots of different definitions from home, lots of different definitions for country, um, and that, that changes. I'll just throw this out for all of you. What has been maybe one of the best parts of living this kind of life where you are 
in Kenya, but you've been to many other places. What's, what's some of the highlights of the experiences you've had? Um, well, one of the highlights for me is because I'm moving back to the U.S. at the end of this year. I feel like I'm going to really appreciate having the experiences of living in different places during my life because most of the kids at my new school are probably just they've only lived in New York and they haven't really been to many other places so I feel like I'm going to really cherish the experiences I've had in other countries. When you say that, Robin, I think that's a perfect example of one of the strengths of TCKs is the perspective to say, I need to cherish this experience. I mean, you're only 11. There's a lot of um, older people who are not cherishing very well some things. So I think that, to me, is a great example of the resilience that our students develop is this ability to reflect and to honor experiences because they know they don't last forever necessarily. Anybody else want to chime in? What are some highlights from your experiences? Well, I've only lived in two countries, so I probably don't have the exact like same rich experiences as anyone else. But in those two countries, one was in Asia and one's in Africa, I feel that I have a really um, different experience than uh, maybe kids in America. For example, last last summer, I went to America for a music camp. Okay. And when people asked where I lived, I said, Kenya. And they said, Kenya. And I was <laughs> like, Africa. And they're like, oh, do you speak African? Oh, and <laughs> it just they don't really have the same experiences as I would have like they don't really they don't know the other side of looking at things yeah yeah just from like the textbooks D have you developed in, in your trips back and forth have you developed kind of a standard speech that you give people or a standard response yes yeah, so when when they ask where I'm from I say I'm Chinese and Korean but I was born in America I live in Kenya, but it's not that bad. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Again, another strength of our TCKs, this effective cross-cultural communication, being able to help people with the terms that are so familiar to us. Okay, Sahara, how about you? What are some highlights? You've lived in some pretty dynamic places, and I think your mom told me that you came to Mali when you were like five weeks old. So I, we'll have to have maybe another conversation about what those early memories were like, but what are some highlights for you? I'd say I'd, I'd agree with Adrian seeing, oh yeah, sorry, seeing like the real side of a country, you know, because I'll tell my friends that I live in Kenya and they're automatically picturing like dirt roads and animals right outside of my house and um, <laughs> huts and stuff. And so just being able to know what a country really is mm. and being able to compare it to where I'm from, that's, yeah. that's a really yeah. cool experience. Yeah. yeah. When people say, yeah, Africa, you're, you've, have, you've lived in West and you've lived in East, you've actually lived in North too, so you really have this broad, broad perspective. It's gonna be a huge asset, I think. Alicia, how about you? When you, I would, I'd be curious to hear from you, maybe a highlight that you had as a kid growing up, and maybe now as a highlight as an adult who is kind of replicating a similar lifestyle um, as the one you grew up in. It's hard to talk about when I was a kid because it was, it was my life and I was leading it and I didn't know any other kids that were like me, other than my sister and brother. But a as an adult, and I became a teacher, I really felt, and I started in public school in, in the United States in a middle school, and I really felt like the other teachers I worked with like, had no idea what the world was like. Mm -hmm. And that the being a third culture kid brought the world to the classroom for my students, and that has always made me, I think, a better teacher, yeah. is having that world perspective. Yeah, thank yeah. you. This is a natural follow-up, which is to, to 
ask you all to maybe give examples of what is hard about it. You've already talked about the transitions, and, and for Adrian, you talked about friends coming and going and, and anticipating that. Um, what are some of the other challenges that you have encountered as a third culture kid? I'll let anyone pick that up. Yeah, sure, Alicia, you can start, and then I'd love to hear from any of you. I think, um, I think the biggest challenge is when I was growing up and we'd go home, we would go home every other year and we'd stay with my aunt and uncle and my cousins. And it was like, yay, my cousins are coming home. They live in Africa and they loved showing us off. And it was great getting all that attention. And it was a real rude awakening when you became an adult and you went back and people really didn't care about <laughs> where you came from or what your experiences yeah, were. It was, yeah. a really, it was a really tough transition. Hmm. But growing up, it was great. I mean, we loved, I didn't, that was my normal. You know, yeah, seeing yeah. the cousins. Yeah, that's a, that's a good word to introduce is this idea of what's normal. Um, for you all, having passport is normal. And that seems so simple to us, but probably in our groups of friends back in our passport countries, many of them don't have a passport at all. So the fact that even, yeah, what's normal to us and what's normal to those in our home countries can often be very different. How about for you guys? Any, what's been tough about the experiences um, of living as a third culture kid? Uh, well, something I find difficult sometimes is uh, every summer I go um, to my grandparents' house and this two months of just me and my sister and my grandparents because <laughs> I don't really have any friends in the U.S. because they'd all be like, who are you? I only see you for two months. I'm not going to be friends with you. So I don't really have any friends. So it's like, after you know a month or a month it's sort of boring like waking up seeing only your sister only your grandparents um but it's i mean it's still a lot of fun to see them because they're my family but it's definitely a challenge not having any friends for two months basically yeah yeah thank you roman i can relate to that <laughs> Anybody else want to chime in? Sorry, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think the whole moving part is also really hard because typically it can be like a really fast decision. So it's like you find out, you pack, and then you go. Mm. And then when you get to near your new country, it takes some time to actually settle in and meet your friends. And then if your friends are also like third culture kids who have parents that move around a lot, it's very possible that they're going to move as well. Um, and then I guess you just have to repeat that process yeah. and it gets kind of tedious yeah, at some point yeah, and really yeah. difficult. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. It's, even though I'm an adult, I find the similar thing. You kind of run out of energy for making new friends and oftentimes when I meet someone, my, after I hear their name, I'm like, how, how long have you been here? Uh, how long are you staying? Okay, so if it's less than two years, we cannot be friends. So um, yeah, I can appreciate that. It takes time to settle in and, it, and often the transition is so quick um, yeah, you don't, it's not always enough time. Adrian, what's been tough for you? You talked about the friends leaving. Are there other challenges in, that you've experienced? Maybe some challenges is that when I say I'm American, people automatically assume, oh, you know, he's American. He knows all the, these things that American people do. And say, when I say that I'm um, Chinese or that I'm Korean, people automatically seem, oh, he's Chinese. He knows about Chinese religion, he knows about Chinese traditions, he knows how to make like dumplings. <laughs> it's very, because being a third culture kid, 
I feel that the where I'm from has kind of been like watered down a little bit. Mm. Like for example, my parents they um they were born in America and they were raised in America. And being in America, kind of, even though their parents were also Asian, it kind of watered down, um, like the Asian traditions. And now, again, um, them having me, and then now we're growing up in Kenya. It, it's really, it's a lot different when I see other Asian kids, who are also Chinese, but they're kind of like more Chinese yeah. because they know about. Chinese. Yeah, stuff. yeah, I hear you. Oh, that you've, you've put it so well. Yeah, are you American enough or Chinese enough or Kenyan enough to make other people comfortable with your identity, which is something that is not a fair expectation for adults or teachers to put on a child to be enough of anything and other than just being themselves. But I think sometimes those we engage with in our home countries, our passport countries, don't have the frame of reference for what we live in our lives, so then they need something to hold on to. So they'll try and hold on to, yeah, that Chinese identity, be like, okay, I can relate to that, so let's go with that, you know? And that's not always a fair depiction. Lisha, do you want to chime in? I just wanted to talk about my Jewish identity. Yeah, because please, yeah. I grew up without any Jewish friends, and one of the classes I took in a middle school in Port of Spain, Trinidad, was a scriptures class, and, and I told, the kids in my class that I was Jewish and they treated me like I was a dead civilization, like they had never met a Jew before and I really felt that being Jewish was sort of like this unique thing, I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, I'm Jewish. I got to boarding school in upstate New York and half the boarding <laughs> school was Jewish and I, for years, I mean, I still feel this way even here in Kenya, it's like, oh my gosh, you're Jewish, this yeah. is great. Yeah. And they yeah. look at me like I'm crazy, but yeah, yeah, the yeah coming into my Jewish identity <laughs> in, in, in my 20s and 30s has yeah. been a, a journey as yeah. well. So we're going to switch soon, but before we do, I want to ask each of you, um, and maybe it's not fair because you guys are 11, Adrian, you're 13, Sorry, you're 13, maybe it's not fair to ask you this because you're still so young, but do you, when you look ahead as an adult, do you think that you'll have a similar lifestyle? Do you want to have the kind of life that your parents have given you as an adult? Um, well, personally, if I ever have kids, I think it would be good if they had this experience. Um, like, if they were born in the US, that would be good, but I think it would be good to, maybe they could experience the US for like five years or something, but then they could, see other countries in the world and experience what it's like to be in other countries than the U.S. just so they'd have more perspective mm. growing up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I agree with Roman. If I ever have kids, which I probably won't, but if I do, <laughs> um, I definitely, I really value like the experiences that I've had growing up in Kenya and in Vietnam. So I definitely want my kids to kind of be all around and really have a certain perspective and really know the other side of things. You reminded me of a question I wanted to ask you, Adrian, before um, we switch. Um, having lived, so you, you've already self-identified as Chinese and Korean and American living in Kenya. When you lived in Vietnam, being in Asia, did that present a whole different kind of experience for you, different than the one you've had in Kenya, where it's a black country as opposed to being in Vietnam, where it is an Asian country, albeit not Chinese or Korean? Did it feel different? Uh, yes, it did feel different. Um, the whole lifestyle, the whole traditions was different, obviously, but it also, the challenges that you were presented, um, 
in school were, were a lot different. Like, for example, in Vietnam, I wouldn't, nobody would ask me where I was from because yeah. I looked Asian and yeah. I am Asian. So they would, you know, they, they wouldn't thought, really care. Cause they thought you were local, yeah, maybe, yeah. Being yeah. Asian was the norm in Vietnam. Yeah. But here being in Kenya, um, being Asian is not the norm. Being Kenyan is the norm. Yeah. And yeah, it is a lot different. Um, maybe another thing that's maybe not as important, but in Vietnam, a lot of the um, other people that were kind of around my age were my height. And we didn't really figure out that I was short until we came to Kenya. And I was like really below everybody else. Adrian, I hope you'll write a book. You have such a unique lens to this whole experience. Yeah, just not knowing that you're anything until you move and you're like, oh, I'm either part of the norm or I'm part of the minority or whatever it is. Yeah, that's actually, it is very important. And it's quite powerful actually for us to reflect on where am I the norm? You know, where am I part of the mainstream? Yeah, um, thanks for that. Sarah, what about you? Do you envision a life as an adult that's similar to the one that you've lived as as a kid? Uh, um, so I think that if I do have kids, I think that maybe they would appreciate staying and living in, living in one place. But I do think it's important for them to travel and experience new cultures. Um, and I know that I would actually prefer staying in one place, but okay. that's just where my yeah. head is right now. Absolutely. Yeah. And I appreciate that all of you said, if I had kids, I, I should have framed it more as just when you're an adult, because certainly as an adult, you'll have lots of choices to make about where you live and, and what will be home. And so Sahari, I hear you saying, I want, if I have kids, I want them to have a passport, but I also want them to have a real permanent address, like somewhere that they kind of come home to maybe every summer. Okay, last, last question, and then we are going to switch. What do you think your parents and teachers and other adults that you've interacted with, what do they need to know about you that they don't know? Maybe what's an experience or a part of the things that you go through that we don't know or we don't get? Um, because what I think is interesting about all the six students who are on the panel today, none of their parents grew up as third culture kids themselves. They all grew up in a city or in a country and didn't have the same experience. So then parenting a third culture kid becomes quite different when you actually don't share, you didn't share the same lived experiences as a kid. So what are the things that parents need to know about you or teachers need to know about you? Alicia, you wanna start us? I'm, I'm, I'm raising a third culture kid. Yeah. And what I have done for my daughter is we own a house in Arizona. And when we decided to go overseas with her when she was nine, I specifically did not sell the house. I did not get rid of any of her books, any of her clothes. We packed it all up into one of the bedrooms and we go back to our house every summer. My cousin lives there. And I have told her, we thought we were going away for two years, so it's been nine. So I've told her that I'm not unpacking that room unless she's with me. She's about to graduate. Mm -hmm. And we're also staying in Kenya an extra year so that she has an opportunity to come home and see her bedroom. Mm -hmm. And I've read a lot that that's really important. It's something that my parents did not do for me. Mm -hmm. And I, the last place I lived with my parents was in Trinidad. And I have always dreamed of going back to Trinidad. Like it is still something that my heart pines for. Mm -hmm. and. So that's something yeah. I'm doing for my third culture daughter. Thank you for that. Um, we're gonna definitely lean on Kika a little bit later to give us some of that, how do we do this well? How do we help them say goodbye? How do we help them say hello? But I find that really poignant and that a lot of them, kind of the TCK Bible, I have to read it probably, Third Culture Kids, Experience of Growing Up Among Worlds by David Pollock and Ruth Van Recken, references exactly what you say as parents that, Third cultural kids need somewhere to be rooted. They need um, a, 
place, even if it's for two months in the summer that they go. And um, those roots are really important, which is why I wanted to do this show, because it's called Uproot, and it's about those transitions in life. So thank you for that. I think it's really valuable for us as parents just to hear that as one thing that we could potentially do and consider to support our students. How about you guys? What is something that we need to know or we don't know or we assume incorrectly about third culture kids or about you? Um, I don't think that our parents specifically really understand like how hard it is for us to adjust and especially when they work for the Foreign Service it's kind of like they have friends in every region of the world and and we don't and so it's just harder for for us to move from like one side of the planet to another and then adjust to that side yeah. and make friends in that side when they're already like clicking you know yeah. they have the job and they have the coworkers and the friends and everyone that they know there while we're still trying to figure it out. Yeah, thank you for that, Sarah. Um, well, for most of my life, I've lived in Africa, um, and for the first two years I was in the US, so I didn't even go to school. Um, and living in Africa, most of my teachers had been moving around, so I never felt the need to tell them things about moving around because they had also experienced it. Um, but I think my mom was like, she's the least, she knows the least like about moving around, I feel. Um, because she just, she got the job and then she knew who she was working with. And like Sahara said, um, and my dad, he was fine coming back to Kenya, um, but my mom did not really know like what we were going through. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Did you were you able to share some of those experiences with her, or did you have a chance to say what you know what you might have needed? Um, I didn't really like tell her because it was normal for me because pretty much all the time that I remember in my life has been with my friends leaving, new people coming in and leaving. So I never, I never really felt the difference. I just, it was normal for me, so I never really felt the need to say it. Yeah. Thanks, Roman. Adrian. Um, maybe one thing my parents could um, know is that it's hard to stand by and watch as everybody else moves on and moves on to a different life or a different future because, and you're just still stuck in like the same place, kind of having almost the exact same experiences. And it's kind of hard to then say, oh, um, have fun, you know, mm -hmm. and they go off and go to a new country and try something new. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that. We are going to shift to our high school panel, but before we do, I just want to say thank you for you sharing your experiences. It takes a lot of vulnerability to share a story that is so rooted in your everyday lived experience. So Adrian, Sahara, Roman, Alicia, just from all of us, thank you. I think I'm coming away from just this conversation so inspired by your strength, actually, and wiser for the words that you've shared. Um, so thank you for your stories. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so we've shifted gears and we're talking to our uh, more senior group of uh, students now and Kika has also joined us. So we're gonna start this portion in the same way as we did the last. I'm gonna ask you to introduce yourself, your name, 
your passport country, the countries you've lived in, and how long you've been in Kenya. And Kika, we'll start with you if that's all right. Hi, I'm Kika. Uh, Kika Grudenhaus. <laughs> oh, closer? Okay. Perfect. Um, and I was born and raised here in Kenya. I went to ISK. I graduated a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> then I moved to Holland, which is my passport country, and <coughs> studied there. Um, and after being there for about six, seven years, I moved back to Africa because my heart longed to come back, as we heard. And I went to South Africa and stayed there for another 13 years um, and made that my home. And now I'm back here for the last five. Welcome, Kika. My name is Juliana, Juliana Heck. I was actually born here in Nairobi, and I lived here for two years. And then I moved to Cairo, Egypt, and my brothers were born there. And I lived there for three years. And then I moved to Zambia, to Lusaka, and I lived there for six years and then to Uganda, and I lived there for six years, and now I'm back here in Kenya, and I moved here at the beginning of this year, so I've been in Kenya for two and a half years, but half, like six months, yeah. and um, my mom is American, so I have an American passport, and my dad's German, so I have a German passport. Right. Yeah. Karibu, Thank welcome you. back. <laughs> my name is Lauren, Lauren Etty. Um, I was born in the US, and I am a US passport holder. Um, both of my parents are from Cameroon, um, and I lived there the first year of my life. After that, we lived in Zimbabwe for about eight years, then on to Tanzania for two, Uganda for four, and now I'm in Kenya, and this is my fifth year in Kenya. Okay, um, I'm Isaiah. Um, I have a US passport, and both my parents are American. Um, I was born in Australia, and uh, that was only for a really short period of time. The rest, I've been in South Africa, uh, Nigeria, Liberia, and I also lived in the U.S. for about three years of my life. Um, yeah, and now I'm here. Now you're here. Welcome, all of you. It's, it's thrilling to hear your stories. It's, uh, you know, as you say all those countries, I know that's kind of the exact thing that you don't enjoy doing in other places, so thank you for indulging my question. Um, but as I hear it, I'm also struck by the fact that um, our world, thanks to information and technology and all that, has gotten smaller, and so in some ways, all your experiences are the very... Uh, envy of people very easily. You know, they would hear all that and say, oh, I would have loved to live, or I'd love to have been born in Australia, or have visited Cameroon, or lived in Tanzania. Um, so given that platform and the fact that our world is, uh, you know, in some ways getting smaller, um, what have you learned from your travels? What have you, you know, you guys are several years older than our earlier panelists. You're juniors in high school, so you're rounding out your junior year, looking at the future, looking at university. What have you learned from your travels? You know, what has it given you to be a third culture kid? So I've noticed that it's actually so, like the world is so small. Like I went to school with Lauren for two years before I moved here. And I knew, before I moved here, I knew like five other people who had gone to my previous school. And especially living in East Africa and being part of our ICEA community, which is International Schools of Southern Eastern Africa, I've gotten to know so many people, and it's, I've never felt, maybe because I'm older and I've had more time, I've never felt like I've been leaving a place and not knowing anybody where I'm going. I guess growing up internationally, you meet so many people that you kind of know people everywhere. Even when we go back for summer to like Germany or America, I know people there who used to live in Uganda or who used, who used to live in Zambia, and so I've never felt sort of alone, I guess. Okay, okay. Yeah. great. Anyone else want to chime in? Um, so 
I agree with Juliana that you might not feel alone, but the issue is is that I get this sort of disconnect. Mm. Um, I might know a lot of people, but I don't actually know anyone. Mm. Um, and I might, I mean, I have friends and sort of relationships with people that live in completely different places, but I've never spent enough time in one place and enough time to get to know them to the point where I feel like I have to stay in touch and mm. Yeah, there's sort of yeah. this gap between me and them. Yeah. So Lauren, for you, um, just to build on what Isaiah said, do you feel like your relationships similarly are time bound to a place or to a season of your life? Or have you been able to hold on to friendships over, over time? Yes, I think unlike Isaiah, um, fortunately, I got to stay in these places for a longer period of time. Therefore, it was much easier for me to make good friends and maintain them. Um, but I do think, and to like answer your question further and what you said about how the world is getting smaller, something like technology, it's so crucial because um, we're able to, to stay in contact and it yeah, just makes life helps, yeah. a lot easier. Yeah. So. Lauren, I'm going to stay with you for a minute. Um, there was a recent article in Condé Nast Traveler, which is a pretty well-known travel magazine, and it had an article about on TCKs, and they said that for TCKs, travel is home, not a place, but travel itself. Do you agree? Has that been true for you at all? I think travel is home. It's, it's so loaded. Yeah. Um, it depends if you want to look at travel as this continuum or just, I guess, to an extent, it's true. But I would say um, in terms of the whole movement aspect, I don't think that's true. I think um, to me personally, home is home. Um, and even if I was to go back to the US, for example, for uni, um, and my parents still lived here. If I came back home to Kenya, that is definitely my home. So I would say definitely home is just where you're comfortable. And I know for a lot of TCKs, home has to be somewhere where you are comfortable. And if you're constantly moving, that's not the best environment. So I think home is where you are grounded, where you are happy, and where you're surrounded by people who you know. Yeah, so where is that for you right now? Kenya. Kenya, yeah. Kenya okay. definitely. So Juliana, I want to come to you. You were born in Kenya, um, lived here for a few years. When you were just two, you left, right? You've come back to Kenya. Um, would you agree with Lauren? Does this feel like home? Um, for me, personally, I don't think I've ever had like a solid home. When I lived in Zambia, I thought that was my home because I was there for six years. And then I moved to Uganda, and I thought that was my home. And it didn't really bother me that it had changed because obviously like I met new people and it felt like it felt like home like that's what I assume home feels like and then I moved here and I've only been here for six months and I don't remember like ages two, one to two yeah. so it hasn't felt like home yet but yeah. you know so you are kind of the freshest off the boat so to speak uh, and this on this panel what has this transition been like for you what is this experience of moving kind of later into your teens been like for you I guess it was a little harder because when I, the first time I moved, I was like an infant, and then I moved again when I was like five, and I didn't really care that I was moving. And then when I moved from Zambia, that was the first time I had properly moved and felt like sad that I was missing people. And then like we moved to Uganda, and I kind of always knew that that wouldn't be the last place we were gonna be, because we were supposed to move a while ago, and then we didn't. And then um, I guess moving here, it didn't bother me as much, because I kind of remembered what it was like to move the first, the first time. And um, I knew so many people before moving, so it wasn't really that difficult, but hard to sort of like get into yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Isaiah, how about for you? You've been here five years, is that right? 
four, four, you're, but you're a junior, so you're looking at university in a year plus. Sorry to bring that up. It's kind of, I know, it can be a stressful thing for our juniors. But as you look at university, what are some of the things that are on your mind? Do you, are you looking forward to another move? And are you looking at the U.S. for school, U.K.? What's on your mind as you think about that? Um, well, firstly, I think my parents have approached it in a really, I don't know, a really good way. Um, I don't really have this pressure to go to one specific place. They're like, you need to go where you think you're going to be happy. And whether that's the UK or Scotland or the US, um, I mean, I probably will end up going to the US. But um, yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be really interesting to move again. Yeah, I think it's going to yeah. be interesting to move again. And um, I feel like about past like the third year mark, yeah. I was getting kind of antsy. I was like, okay, three years has passed, I'm done. Yeah, I'm yeah, out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and now that I've stayed a little bit longer, it's it's sort of a little bit different from all of my other experiences. Yeah. And um, yeah, and I'm kind of excited to do it again. Okay, interesting. Yeah. It's good to hear some some positive um, expression of kind of what this moving has meant to you, um, especially as you do think about the next step for all of you. Kika, what um, Isaiah said really brings to mind this idea of um, that restlessness that sometimes TCKs can feel. You know, he's saying you've been here three years. My kids are certainly, we've been here eight, so they're at the point where like, let's go. Everyone has already gone. Why are we still here? And so, Yes, you do say that. I know you say you're saying it. My daughter's disagreeing with me, but you have somebody has said that in our family. But anyways, I, I, you know, is that something that we can expect from our kids? This sense of restlessness, and and how do we mitigate that for them? Yeah, I think we know from third culture um, research that that's a really common experience that third culture kids and adults have. I think Alicia talked about it quite a bit as well, um, and. Yeah, so I guess so, that answers. So that looks like so it looks like restlessness now, like I'm ready to go. But what does that practically, I guess, mean? I think some of the research also tells us that relationships can be tricky to navigate for TCKs who grow into adults, um, or even you know staying in a job for a certain amount of time. Are there things that we can do to help our kids be able to stay? Is there actually things that we can help them with, you know, just the staying? Um, I think it's really. I think a lot of the um, uh, people on the panels have been extraordinarily um, rich in talking about that already, um, speaking about having community in the expat community, right? Actually, I think when we talk about living or um, yeah, living between communities or cultures, there's another community formed, which is the expat community. Mm -hmm. And actually, I was just reading today that that's about... F um, well, that it's, uh, it's a lot of people now in the world, and it's getting bigger and bigger. Five billion, is that right? Or five million? Five million. Um, I think I read four million, yeah. Four people. million? Yeah. So, yeah, so, so, and, and this is a huge community for, uh, that we belong to, and that is our richness um, around the world. Um, and also holding those, holding, holding those connections down, whether that is in your friendships or also within, um, and then yet also holding the connections down from your um, nuclear family, but also your extended family and the places where they live yeah. is really a, an important resilience factor yeah. for children and also allows them to feel less restless because it's, when we talk about home, it's a really complicated word for TCK. So yeah. you were asking, so what's home yeah. or where is home? I think. M my experience is, is that it befuddles my mind. Like, how do I even start defining what home is? And I really liked what 
um, people were saying about it's where I'm comfortable um, or it's what I recognize because I think home becomes something of an internalized experience as well and home can also be something of the smells or sounds or things that create memories that remind us that we are belonging somewhere. Yeah, so that yeah. becomes home and that also helps us not to feel so restless. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah. I want to ask um, the students, if, if you had to choose, let's say your parents gave you the option for the next family move and said, we can either go home to your passport country, quote unquote, or to entirely new country, what would you pick? I definitely picked the new country. I've never in my life felt connected to America or Germany. Like I don't speak German. And so like I feel a lot more comfortable moving around than going somewhere where I know I'm gonna have to be there for like a while. Mm. And being, cause at least if we move to a different country, chances are you'll be around other international kids mm. and they'll kind of understand like, oh, you're new. Like, it's yeah. okay, yeah. but if we move back to, like, America or Germany, people won't, like, entirely get it, yeah. and then you'll feel sort of more outside, even though you're at, like, your home, quote-unquote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, thank you for that. I think that's often the hardest part, no, is going back to your passport country because mm -hmm. you, you assume you're supposed to belong and other people assume you're supposed to belong, but you don't know the lingo, you don't know the slang, you don't yeah. know the yeah. um, TV culture, yeah. you don't know the pop culture, yeah. or you know bits of it, but not all of it. Yeah. Um, so people kind of look at you like you're supposed to belong, but you're weird. Yeah, you're weird, yeah. But you're not weird when you're moving, which is interesting. Yeah, Lauren, what about you? What would you choose? I would say a new country with hesitation <laughs> because I think, um, once again, I've lived in Africa my whole life and I think something that has really daunted me is the fact that what if one day my parents say, okay, we're gonna pick up and move to Europe. You know, that's still not where I'm from, but um, it's, it's something that's still gonna be very different. Yeah. Even a couple months ago, we were in Brussels and we went to an international school there to play volleyball. And the students there, you know, some had been around, but you could tell that the dynamic was extremely different from the one that we have here in Africa. Um, so for example, with, with things like ICEA, obviously ICEA kids are very different from what they have there going on in Europe. So I'd say definitely um, yes with hesitation. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just follow up with that before we, we move on to Isaiah. Just this, um, Adrian referenced it too, this idea of race plays into um, the TCK experience. And, and one of the resources that I will share with you all is also um, a resource specific to people of color who have lived outside. And this one is specific to the United States. And, and what does the role that race play when you move around? You know, Adrian referenced it in terms of, I didn't know I was short until we left Vietnam, you know? So Lauren, for you as, you know, a child of Cameroonian parents living on the continent, do you recognize the difference between maybe your experience and your classmates? And that's not a fair question because you're different and all your classmates are different, but do you notice a difference in how you experience Kenya, even though it's not your home country? It is an African country. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just a little simple I think, question. <laughs> I would say, wow, I think my experiences have obviously differed from um, both Juliana, Isaiah, and Kika, but... Um, I think there is like a very obvious factor of why our experiences might be different. And I would say something like race does play a role in it because everywhere you go, you know, there will be certain people who impact your experience. Um, but I will say it, it is pretty different. Um, 
And you know, as shocking as it is that we can experience such things here in Africa, it does occur. Um, but I guess, yeah. personally, I try to maintain a very positive um, outlook on things and definitely keep around people who um, I am comfortable with and people who are very open-minded. Yeah. Do people assume you're Kenyan? Has that ever happened to you? I mean, it. yes. Yeah. Yes, but also my accent. Sure. So it's something that you're like, okay, well, probably not. Um, <laughs> but, but it does happen. It, it does yeah. happen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not very often, but sure. yeah. Sure, thanks. Once in a while. Yeah. Isaiah, what about you? New country or back, quote unquote, home? Um, well, I would definitely say a new country. Um, but my parents have always treated it like it's an adventure. You know, it's okay. never, it's never a chore. We're always, it's always something that we're interested in. It's fun. We're, you know, and once you get there, you know, you go out to all the restaurants, you see what's new. Um, and I would definitely want to do that again. And also, when I have to consider like college and university, um, I mean, I know it, it sounds bad to say this, but the TC the TCK card is, a, I mean, it's yeah. useful for universities. Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. And, like, we're going to all put it on our applications. Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, you know, we, we think it looks nice. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. Well, you guys have the skills that are hard to teach. You know, the skill of being able to relate cost culturally, the ability to be flexible and to adjust. I mean, these are exactly what people are trying to teach in universities and this whole global citizenship approach, when you've lived it, you know, that becomes very true to who you are. So you should exploit it fully because you have, it's come at a cost to you as well. You know, it's come at a cost to you. So you mentioned your parents and kind of the, the how they framed it as an adventure. But when they've sat you down, I don't know if, if all of you can recall, Juliana, probably this is freshest for you, but what is that feeling that you feel when they sit you down like, okay, kids, kids we got to talk. What does that conversation look like and how does it feel when that, when yeah when you have to have that talk again it's sort of like oh no not again yeah. and like but I mean I guess with us we, we kind of knew it was coming so we weren't any we weren't really that surprised I mean when we moved from Zambia to Uganda we were at least my brothers probably don't remember but I was 11 so I had just made like my first like real friends that I thought I would be friends with forever and <laughs> I guess I was really upset that they kind of tore me away from those guys. But as soon as we moved, sort of like within a week, I was already within like a community, like Lauren went to that school. And um, I was around people who knew exactly what I was going through. And it didn't, as soon as I left, I sort of didn't care anymore. It sounds bad, but it sort of felt like refreshing, I guess. Yeah, okay. I think I have to say, especially to the younger members of the panel, like it does get better um, with time. For me personally, I think the, the hardest conversation I've had with my parents about moving was going from Zimbabwe to Tanzania because we'd lived in Zimbabwe for eight years. Now going to a completely new part of Africa, um, I think that was definitely the most difficult thing. But I think as a child, not so much now, but as a child, I'd say it was difficult because I was obviously nervous. And I think it's for very silly reasons because you know you're like oh how many people are gonna like me um what if i just don't want to be that kid that new kid who doesn't have any friends so i think it's a very selfish way of looking mm -hmm. at it but it's the truth and yeah. personally for me that was the biggest thing that was going through my mind yes i was excited to go and experience new things in this new country but school is where you spend like six seven hours of your day so being around people who might not like you is 
That's not selfish at all. I think that's very real. None of us want to work in a job much, you know, every day with people we don't like or who don't like us. I think it's a very real human anxiety that's, yeah, I think as parents, teachers, we have to, I think, always have the forefront of our minds. Yeah, thanks for sharing. Um, You know what Juliana said about, like, even though you've moved, you sort of enter a community that already knows you. So at least my experience is that when you, because I'm part of this expat community, it's super easy to live in this bubble. So while third, so while a third culture kid, like you might think that I'm immersed in the Kenyan community, but really I'm immersed in the expat community who yeah. happens to live in Kenya. Yeah. So wherever you go, there's always sort of bubbles that you can stick in. I mean, it's, yeah. it's not like that for everyone, yeah. but um, it doesn't really, it doesn't change as much, yeah. as much as you would think. Would you do anything differently if you were the one, I mean, is in the bubble, out the bubble? What do you think is, would have made your, different, your experience different? Um, I don't think I know anything but the bubble. Yeah. So I would not, I wouldn't even know how to approach it. Yeah. And whether it's like an actual thing or not, I don't know, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you point that out and I think I can, probably all of us have bubbles in our home countries too, whether it's a school community or a religious community or otherwise that we can kind of get insular. But Kika, I guess I want to hear from you. How do we prepare our kids for life outside the bubble? You know, in this case, these guys are all going off to uni soon. Um, our younger panelists are moving to you know, new countries, new experiences. How do we prepare them for that? Because the rest of the world kind of does live outside a bubble, or maybe we're a lot of bubbles bumping into each other, I don't know. But how do we prepare our kids for that? Again, I think the panelists have said so much that is already speaking to that, right? So um, about having rituals that are um, really strong in your family or even from the bubble, um, about having relationships, making sure that those fibers of relationships are held strong and supporting, modeling, supporting um, our family and members um, to hold those relationships strong. I think in this day and age where social media um, and our phones and our emails, and you know, um, it can be the bane of adults' lives or parents' lives perhaps, yeah. but actually for third culture kids, it's really an, a fundamental way of feeling like they are connected to the global community. So Kika, you're saying we should let them be on their phones more? I just want to clarify, I want this to be really clear. Well, there, I'm nervous about where this went. <laughs> well, there you go again in terms of a theme about um, third or fourth culture kids is that we often live trying to find the balance between extremes Right. Um, mm -hmm. So whether that is about belonging or not belonging or about connecting or not connecting. Yeah, we really need our phones, but we don't need them all the time. Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you for that clarification. That was that was important. Um, yeah, as, as we're going to um, open it up for questions, so if you've got a question on your mind, you can just uh, be ready for, for that in just a moment. Um, I just want to ask you guys, when you travel to a new country, let's say on holiday, do you experience um, culture shock? Um, or when you travel to your passport country, do you experience culture shock? I definitely do. Like when we go to America and we like going to the supermarket to get breakfast, like yeah. buying things for breakfast for like the next two months and you see like Pop-Tarts and like sweet cereal, it like freaks me out. I mean like, <laughs> I don't really mind that much, it's like sugar, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but like it, it's so strange to me because I mean, people who are like affiliated with the embassy here, you know, you get your, you get like deliveries and stuff and you can go to the commissary, so you're not, but the biggest thing for me would be the food and like portion sizes and like sugar and like that kind of stuff. It like 
freaks me out because yeah. I'm not used to it at all. I read somewhere in preparation for this that one marker of third culture kids is that they know the difference in the taste of McDonald's from country to country. And they have a preferred country where they like that McDonald's better than, you know, the other one. <laughs> so I think food is a big part of it. Food is a big part of memory. You know, you taste something and it brings you back to a place. So I think that's actually huge that food plays into that culture shock. Yeah, what's available to me and what is that? Is that a part of my normal? Yeah, to have Pop-Tarts for breakfast <laughs> or not. Lauren, how about you? Where does culture shock uh, show I up think for you? Now my mind is on food. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think just looking at it from a different perspective, and I'd love to tell a really quick story. Please. This summer I was in New York, and I was doing an internship at a local school for incoming freshmen. And on the last day of the program, I think the kids sort of thought I was older. And I was like, no, I'm still in high school. And they're like, oh, where do you go to high school? And I was like, OK, you guys can guess. Um, and you know, we said, just keep on guessing. And they're saying all these, all these places in the Midwest. And I was like, no, even further, it starts with a K. And they go, Kansas? And I'm like, absolutely not, um, Kenya. So I think I experienced culture shock in the sense that everyone else around me, like when I go for summer, like they don't know um, about all these other places and all these other things you can do. They don't, especially the fact that you don't know other countries, I think that to me is like, wow, yeah. you know? So you're kind of shocked at what other people don't know about the world and exactly. what you live every day. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, I don't really think that I experience it as much. I mean, I sort of, when I experience culture shock, it's, it's not, I don't, it's not really different no matter what country I, I'm in. Like when I come, when I first came here, obviously I experienced some kind of culture shock and I just sort of, you know, I went with the flow. Yeah. And then when I go back, I do the same thing. Okay. So it's not like I can really notice it one way or another because it's, yeah. because one place isn't, because the US, it wouldn't be my home. Yeah. Yeah. So I wouldn't experience some kind of culture shock. It's just another new country. I see, so that's so interesting. So your passport country is just another new p country. It's not home, so when you go there, you treat it like you were going to, I don't know. Australia again, or somewhere else that's not necessarily familiar, but another place where you land. It's amazing, because as I hear you all talk, I mean, I was admiring our middle school panel for their ability to really articulate these really deep thoughts. And then I can see how that blossoms into these, you know, almost adults who have already developed the skills that will serve you so well in life, being able to navigate between challenging situations and different experiences, and you know, whether that's professionally or relationally, that you'll have these skills to kind of navigate. Um, last question, and then we're gonna open it up to the audience to ask questions. How do you say goodbye? Well, for me, um, usually, I feel like many people make that kind of promise where you're like, no, we're not saying goodbye, we'll see each other soon. Yeah. I feel like I said that so many times to so many people and I can't even remember their names. Um, but it depends, like, I mean, maybe for like the middle schoolers, it's a lot harder because, you know, you're, you're still gonna be in school, like they're just moving into high school and so they're, they still have four years of school, but f with, for us at least, we're going into university and we're gonna say goodbye to anyone, to everyone anyways. So I feel like in this last move, first of all, most of my friends had already moved to Kenya, so I wasn't really saying goodbye to that many people. But I feel like it would have been inevitable. Like in two years, I would have said bye to them anyway. So it was hard, but you know, it's kind of something you just got to deal with. Like it's yeah. like the part of the job description. Oh. Yeah. Wow, so being how a TCK has it? a job description. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just no, no, I, absolutely. Yeah, how do you do it? I mean, because I think. I would love to hear from you, Kik, at the end about how we as adults 
can also say goodbye well. How do we say goodbye well? But I, I want to hear from you. Yeah, how did, what does that look like, Julianne? Is it a party? Is it um, you know, a new WhatsApp group for all the you got, you know, ISU students? What does that look like for you? Well, um, I remember one of my really good friends in like fifth, sixth, Zanzi, Gunton. She had four different goodbye parties when she left for every like for the for her for her friends, for her brother's friends, for her parents' friends, and then for that community. Wow. So they had four different goodbye parties. So that's one way of doing it. But um, I think it's really it's kind of hard. You kind of just you sort of make that promise, that empty promise, and then you I guess remember all those good times, and then. I don't know, it's just really hard. Yeah. It's not really, it's different, like depending on the person you're saying goodbye to, but sure. it's just hard for everyone. Yeah, because yeah, the goodbye is both you leaving and then maybe when someone else is leaving, you're saying bye to them, so it, it can look different. Lauren, how about you? How do you say goodbye? And maybe I'll ask you, especially, specifically because you had that longer stretch in Zimbabwe, was it? Um, how did you say goodbye to friends who were leaving, you know, and you were staying behind? I think it's, once again, see you later, obviously, but and Juliana had put it very beautifully, um, the fact that, you know, we say goodbye, but come on, I'll never see you again. Um, but I think also that, also that relates to the fact that, you know, sometimes when you move around, we also meet people who we don't want to see again. Yeah. <laughs> so I think for the people who we do want to see again, it's definitely see you, mm. like see you later. Even going into university um, next year, I think there are friends who I will make plans to to see again. Yeah. yeah. So in some ways, you, you can tolerate some people because they, they have an expiry date. They're like, I'm not going to have to be with you too long, so bye. Yeah. <laughs> how about you, Isaiah? How do you say goodbye? Um, well, the thing is, is for me, it's I, I sort of know it's not, I'm not only saying goodbye to friends. Mm -hmm. um, my mom is on a four-year contract, and since I've been here since eighth grade, that ends in a couple months. So my mom and my brother are moving to Zambia. And wow. I'm going to stick around here with my dad so I can finish high school. Mm. And it's going to be really tough for me to say, so on one hand, I do get to keep my friends here, and I don't have to move for my last year of high school. But on the other, I'm not going to see my dog or my mom or my brother for a year. Oh, that brings a tear to my eye. That's, that's a lot to ask, yeah. Um, so you have to make a lot of sacrifices. And it's not only the kids who have to make the sacrifices. It's the, it's the parents of those kids. Yeah. And like, I know that every single break of my next year, my next senior year, my spring break, my fall break, I'm just spending it with my family. Yeah. And I don't know, I'm, my sort of perspective is, well, it's gonna happen with university anyway. Yeah. So I sort of have to, you know, it was, it was gonna happen. Yeah. It, was it was inevitable. Yeah. Well, I think all of your parents must be incredibly proud of all of you, because I think with all of your moving, you seem so rooted in who you are, what's important, and you're able to use that, I think, to guide as you're thinking about your future, which I think is really extraordinary. Um, Kika, as we wrap this and open the floor to questions, give us advice. How, do we, how can we say goodbye better, or how can we help our kids and our students navigate those transitions where you're closing out a chapter? I guess why I asked a little bit more specifically is because my experience is, is that you get numb to the goodbyes, yeah. and you don't want to do it. Yeah. Um, and so you're like, yeah, bye. <laughs> yeah. And actually you avoid the conversation until maybe the last day of school or until you don't have to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, so, and yet um, my knowledge is also that goodbyes are really important. Good goodbyes are the rituals we create so that we put it into our memories and into our frameworks. And we also, um, 
become internally rich from the experiences we have. So when we ignore the goodbyes, we often compartmentalize or put away the memories that go with that. Mm -hmm. um, and that is then uh, a richness that we're avoiding in our own internal yeah. selves. So really thinking with your family and your friends how you want to say goodbye is really, uh, I really encourage it. Thank you for that. Um, thanks so much. Can we appreciate them before we move to questions? Even though you, you are not my kids, I feel a real sense of pride to, to know all of you and to just be able to hear your stories today. So, so thank you so much for that. Um, I'm going to ask our middle schoolers, maybe you can just um, grab your chairs and just pull them up over here and join us up here, and Alicia too. Um, and if you've, does anyone have questions? My name is Saren, and um, I have a question. So when you go to a new country, do you, how do you like adjust? Do you go to museums or go talk to like some kids at your new school? I just want to know how um, you get used to that new country. Okay, anyone want to take that? Um, yeah, for me personally, um, what I always do is I, I roll off the plane and the day after or in the hours after it, I visit the school. That's sort of my first thing. Because um, my parents are interested and I'm interested and often you get these tours with kids that are super helpful and especially when you're entering a community of kids that you might already know or yeah or like you know kids who are like you then that can be really helpful in making new friends because you meet these new um, yeah you meet these new friends through the tours and through just walking around school that you know you see during class. Yeah. It's good that you mentioned I actually asked ISK before the, the session today, what are our numbers in terms of passport countries and percentages, and 67 passport countries in this school, which is pretty extraordinary. Every year, we have about 20% of the student body who's leaving, so one in five kids are leaving every year, and one in four kids are new every year in the, in the next term. So this idea of school being really central to kind of how you adjust, I think, is important, uh, something that some schools do really well and others do, and I know ISK makes it a priority to kind of welcome kids in and make sure that transition is, you know, as smooth as possible. Juliana, did you have some tips? Um, well, when we first moved here, I remember we went to as many restaurants as we could because we were living <laughs> in a hotel and that got boring. But um, yeah, because sometimes when my dad is out like working in like a different country traveling, um, we try and make a, like a plan to see like four new restaurants in that week or something like that. You guys are <laughs> really strategic about this. I love it, Beth Ann. We need to talk afterwards. This is excellent. <laughs> but yeah, so that's kind of what we do, like try and see the city, the restaurants, yeah. Yeah, yeah and check them out. Great. I have a quick question. My name is LaTanya. Um, I know a lot of our kind of concern about moving our third culture children was around high school and making sure they were in one place for high school. What do you guys think about that, especially those in high school, but also the adult third culture children? Is it necessary to be in one place for the whole four years? Or I don't know, what do you think? My husband is also a third culture kid, and he went to three high schools. And he talks about it all the time and how painful that was for him. Mm. Um, his senior year was the first year he lived in the United States. Oh. And it was very hard for him. I went to two high schools, but I went to boarding school, which was sort of like a, was a, also a very protected environment. It was a good stepping stone to being out in the world on my own. Um, but I think it's really important. My daughter, who's a third culture kid, I, I feel like... She's very lucky because she's actually only been to three schools. 
She did, she was in one elementary school in the United States till third grade. She did fourth through seventh grade in Hong Kong and eighth through 12th grade here. And I think that's something that I, a gift that I've been able to give her that I went to eight schools before high school and five colleges. Wow, okay, that sounds like another show right there. Um, high schoolers, what do you think? Has it made a difference? I know Juliana, yours is gonna be half and half, two different schools. Isaiah and Lauren, you're gonna be able to have done four years. Do you think it made a difference? Juliana, I'd love to hear from you what it's been like to shift mid-gears in high school. And then Isaiah, I'd love to hear from you. Did you ever consider going to Zambia for your senior year? Was that something you thought about instead of staying here? So I'd love to hear you both just speak to that. My move aligned perfectly with like my school system. So I finished the MYP in 10th grade and I moved straight into IB in 11th grade. So like academically it wasn't like too difficult because it was perfect. And then again, I feel like it might be difficult for people who are moving into an entirely new community and don't know people. But for me, I already knew like a yeah. bunch of people. So yeah. I didn't find it too difficult. And that's, I guess, something, a tip for us as parents to take as we think about when we're moving, if we have choice to try and maybe stay in a region if we can, or you were mentioning the ICEA connection of these eight countries, the international schools of Southern and Eastern Africa, these kids do repeat and see each other, you know, not only at sporting events, but at airports, or they're all in the same kind of holiday destination. And there's something powerful about being able to rejoin, like you said earlier, this expat bubble or this uh, other bubble in a, in a new place. But maybe some familiar faces. Isaiah, what about you? Do you think about leaving? Um, I think if you're going to make your kid leave, then you want to do it like a 2-2 split. Yeah. Because if you enter a new school for your senior year, everyone's sort of already three steps ahead. Yeah. You know, because they've already, they've gone through this whole process of making friends and, you know, they've planned on, you know, trips to the coast or something together. And yeah. um, so I've never, I've, I've never really tried to, I've never really thought that I would want to stay, or I would want to move for my senior year, and my parents recognize that too. Yeah. They're like, if you're gonna move, then move at the end of 10th grade. Okay, yeah. so you had some choice too, which is something that we can't always give our kids, we can't always give them choice, but it seems like that made a difference for you to be able to kind of have a say in what, what came next. So you didn't think, oh, it might be another fun adventure, let me go for another adventure for senior year. Well, actually, I'm really jealous of my yeah. brother and my mom, because, I've never lived in Zambia, and it honestly sounds like such a cool place. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I feel like I'm being left behind a little, but on one hand, I sort of have to weigh it, and I'm like, yeah. okay, well, I need, to, I need to finish school, and yeah. then I can worry yeah. about it. So wise and so, so young. That's excellent. Thank, thanks, Isaiah. So thank you so much. Um, I actually have a question for you, and talking about sort of being evacuated from Egypt and what that experience was like, and you didn't have that ability to sort of maybe say goodbye in the way that you would have. Um, but then also, you know, I think as parents, you talked about that parent experience, and, and sometimes we're not happy in our jobs um, and make um, decisions to maybe end a tour earlier than we expected. Um, and so any advice that you all might have for us about um, transitioning when maybe we've said we'll be there for a certain amount of time, but leave sooner. Um, and just sort of what it's like, I guess maybe things that helped or hurt, maybe when you have to end things uh, abruptly or sooner than expected. I think that's a great question. Um, was, that, was that for Alicia, who, who, uh, Sahara, about being evacuated from Egypt? Yeah, Sahara, do you, can you, uh, what do you think? Um, yes, okay, so when I was evacuated from Egypt, it was, I think I was just finishing kindergarten, um, so it wasn't as, hard for me to move, but it was 
very scary because, well, there was a lot going on yeah. at the time. Um, and in fact, we were planning on moving the next year anyway, I think. Um, but I remember we were just walking home from a play date, possibly. Mm -hmm. And we had heard the news. And so the embassy had told us to go back to our house. Um, and as soon as we like closed and locked and bolted all the doors, we had looked through the windows and just seen all these people flowing through the streets. And we saw fires and we heard screaming and just a lot of unpleasantness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we, we actually decided that it was time for us to, to go. go. Um, there was an ax thrown through the door. There was a of, what thrown through the door? An axe. An axe thrown, thrown through, through your door, wow. The door of our, um, of our building. So we were at that point shipped out. Um, and that's when we moved to New York. Um, and so I wasn't left with a good memory of Egypt. Mm. Um, but I think it was also easier for me to move to New York knowing that I would be safer there. Mm. Um, Wow. Yes. wow. It reminds me of what Lauren said about home now becomes where I'm comfortable. So if you don't feel safe somewhere, even if you've been there maybe a long time, maybe it's not home. Yeah, yeah. thanks for that. I see it. So my family, so I lived in Liberia for sixth grade, and that was during the Ebola crisis, which happened when I was in seventh grade. And for about half the year, I, my family was evacuated, or like my brother, my dad, and uh, me were evacuated, and my mom had to stay and work there during the Ebola crisis. So um, it was kind of worrisome, and like I didn't, it didn't really register with me that I was evacuated because I was like, okay, it's fine. It's just, I mean, it's just, it's no biggie, right? I mean, they got us under control. It never happens, right? And then suddenly I was all the way in D.C. and I hadn't seen my mom in forever, and. It's, it's super tough when you have to do it, but sometimes, I mean, circumstances don't let you have a choice. And, you know, I think something that maybe we haven't brought up in this conversation yet is that, you know, when you see service people from your home countries, whether they're outside the country serving in some capacity, whether they're with the CDC and they're fighting some kind of disease, and, um, or if they're with a military organization, you know, the parents get some appreciation. You know, thank you for your service. Or if you're in some kind of development work and you're helping to bring better access to, of water to communities or you're supporting refugees, resettlement, the parents get some sort of professional appreciation. But I think one thing that when you say that it really comes to my mind is that these children have also been in service to um, countries, they've been in service to their home passport countries, and we really should say thank you to all of you because um, all of you are the children of parents who have given their lives. And just, um, you know, Lauren's mom works for the World Food Program, and you know, um, we are so sensitive to the fact that this flight recently that crashed from Addis to Nairobi had so many of their colleagues on that plane, and so. So many of you risk a lot to, um, you, you, know, you make yourselves vulnerable to, so your parents can serve humanity, really. And so thank you uh, for what times it wasn't said. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here today. Your voices, students, are just extraordinary. And I'm so grateful that we can share these stories with uh, other people. I think it's going to really, I hope, uh, lift others like you've lifted us today. Thank you all for coming and giving your time. Um, Wangari Mathai, who was the first African woman to win a Nobel Prize and who is 
uh, beloved in Kenya and beyond said, you have to keep at it until it becomes rooted. So I think in this conversation of third culture kids, I'm reminded of her very wise words. Um, so to all of you, thank you for listening. Thank you for coming. Um, see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I'd love to hear from you. So please send me a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can find us at Uproot the Podcast or on Twitter. You can send me a tweet at, at Uproot and Lil. And that's Lil with two L's. Thanks for tuning in. Let's talk soon.